All right. Hey, once you've met someone, you can go ahead and take a seat. Uh, first of all, welcome. Welcome to The Exchange. So glad you're here. If this is your first time, my name is Josiah, and I'd just love to say what's up and meet you after, uh, but welcome. Uh, if you guys need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to get you a Bible, but turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. Uh, before we get into it, you guys can see the stage decorations. That, that wasn't us. Just want you to know. Um, it was a school, but... I like it. Yeah, you know, it works, I guess. Um, Hey, Galatians chapter 5, we are in our third week of our series on the Holy Spirit. And so we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit simply called Receive the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus said to his disciples when he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so you say, why? Why are you doing this? Why are we going through this? Why a short little series on this? Uh, We just finished studying the life and ministry of Jesus. We just looked at his death and resurrection. Now it's been 2,000 years since Jesus died and rose again. And the question is, well, how do we still walk with God? How do we know God? How do we make God known? How do we love God? And really the answer is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we want to know him. We want to walk with him. We talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we we know that Jesus said, I do not leave. I'm sending you the helper. I'm sending you the spirit and he will be with you and he will come in you. And so that's why I want to talk about the person of the spirit. Like, how is he in us? What does that look like? So in case you are new, just want to kind of catch you up. Uh, We'll fill you in. Today, we're going to be looking at specifically the Holy Spirit and day-to-day life. The Holy Spirit and day-to-day life. So if you see up there, just kind of the progression, hopefully, of the different topics. The first week, we just did the Holy Spirit, the person at work. Who is he? What does he do? We talked about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he will come and testify of me. He'll glorify me. He'll point to Jesus. So right now, the Holy Spirit's at work in the world saying, you need Jesus. Believe in Jesus. You know you're created for more. The Holy Spirit's at work in the world. And then we looked at last week, the Holy Spirit and salvation. How the Holy Spirit, it says, uh, adopted us into the family of God, regenerated us, made us completely new, a new beginning. Uh, We looked at how the Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption, almost as if a down payment for the day of redemption. And now I want to look at the idea of, okay, the Holy Spirit's in us, but what should that look like? Like if God's presence lives in me and lives in you, there probably should be some key indicators that God is in us. And, And the church should look different from the world. And we can't look the exact same. There will be some differences. I mean, we're making a huge claim. We say, God, the Spirit lives in me. And so the world wants to say, they're saying, okay, where? Show me. What's the difference between your life and my life? And so we want to talk about the Holy Spirit and day-to-day life. And, and we're going to talk about, specifically in Galatians 5, the idea of the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. And, and what does that look like? What does that mean? What are these Christian terms that you throw out? And so we want to kind of identify, define, look at this a little bit more. But we know, here's what we know. We know that every single day, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit should be making us more and more into the image and person of Jesus, more and more like Jesus. Here's a verse really quick before, because I can't not share it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He's saying, but the Spirit of God is making us more and more into the image of Jesus, the person we read about and study and look to and pray to, Jesus. He says he's making you more and more into his image. And so we want to talk about the Holy Spirit in day-to-day life. There should be growth. There should be progress. We cannot look the same the first day we got saved. There will be some growth and development in that. A guy named David Platt said it this way. I thought it was so good. He said, the Spirit transforms our lives into the image of Christ so that, we make, so that we come to mirror the standing we already have in God's sight. So we already, positionally, we're in Christ. 
Positionally, we have Christ's righteousness. And he's saying, but now the Spirit's making us more and more practically like him. And so the Holy Spirit in day-to-day life, and so let me just even say this before we read our text and pray. um, My hope for this series is that it's not a series. It's weird to do six weeks on the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk so much more about the Holy Spirit when this series is done. Like there's no way we're going to exhaust the person of the Holy Spirit just from a, a small, short series. But my hope and my plea is that we'd be a group of people that are desperate for the Holy Spirit that we realize we cannot do life, we cannot follow Jesus, we cannot be good husbands, good wives, good coworkers, good friends without the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit right now is working on all of our hearts in some capacity, in some degree. I don't know what God's Spirit is speaking to you. I don't know when you're praying what God is showing you. I don't know if he's just saying embrace the love of God. I don't know if he's saying give this up, give up this weight, give up this sin, give, give this thing up. I have no idea, but the Holy Spirit's at work in all of us in some capacity. And he's transforming us from the image of Jesus more into the image of Jesus. Like we're seeing a mirror dimly, but one day we'll see him face to face. And so we want to become more like Jesus. And we want to walk with the Holy Spirit daily. And so that's my hope. That's my prayer. So specifically today, again, the Holy Spirit and day-to-day life. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? So let's read Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read this and then we'll talk more uh, specifically. Galatians 5 verse 16. Paul writes this. Read with me in verse 16. He says, <clears throat> I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, it wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us walk in the Spirit. Let us be led by the Spirit. My prayer is that we do that right now. Amen? Why don't you bow your heads? Let's pray that God would just lead our time. Father, that is simply our prayer, that you would lead us by your Spirit, that God would walk in the Spirit. That those, and myself included, when I hear this term, God, help us. Help us not just understand. Yes, help us understand. We don't fully get that always, but help us to walk in it. Let it just be a part of our life. God, we just want to walk with you daily. God, I just, want, I just pray, everyone in this room, that Jesus, it'd, it'd be more than they, they believe on you for their salvation, but that every single day, your spirit would be making them and myself more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That God, it'd just be so much more than getting saved and one day we go to heaven, but that today we can experience you and your presence just every moment. Uh, so God, remove those distractions. Remove those things that keep us from that. And uh, Jesus, we just want to walk in the Spirit and hear from you. So lead us now, speak to us now in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. You know, you can tell a lot about a person or a lot about a group of people by the way they walk. Uh, You can identify people by the way they walk from maybe far away. 
I, I don't know if you've ever been to like a, new, like a New York City type of place, a very transient, busy place, but the people have a different style of walking. You know, when I went, you just see them like they're in a hurry, they're in a rush. You kind of see like, okay, so they have a hurried pace. You can tell a lot by the way they're, they're, they're paced, by their walk. Uh, if you've ever been to like an El Salvador or Africa, somewhere where maybe people carry food on their head or bags on their head or boxes on their head or water on their head. We've, seen, we've been in these places where there's, they're, they're working so hard and you're like, man, by the, what they're carrying, by how they're walking, you can tell they, they work really hard. Uh, if where I'm from in Southern California, Orange County, you can tell a lot by the way they walk. They're going to be walking their dog everywhere. You can tell like, okay, wherever they go, they're, they're very posh male people. Um, you can tell a lot by the way someone walks. I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot there. I don't know if you've ever been behind like a slow walker at Walmart or Disney World. That's the worst for me. I, I'm not a big fan. I, I'm sorry if you're a slow walker. I love you. God bless you. But for me, I'm just like, I have to get around you. And then for some reason, they like waddle. So like, I can't go around. Like, oh. Then they go right. I'm like, no. And I just get stuck. I'm like, okay, God, patience. I'm trying to work on that. Um, but you can tell a lot by the way someone walks. I remember in high school, we had a friend who played basketball. He's, like, he's a big guy, 6'3", 6'4", one of the best shooters I've ever seen. But he walked on his tippy toes. I mean, his heels never touched the ground. He just constantly walked like this. I don't know if you've ever seen someone do that, where their heels, his heels would not touch the ground. And eventually, he could, like, jump very high, and it made sense. Like, his calves were strong. But it, he is interesting. You could see him walking from a mile away. You're like, oh, there's Tim. You didn't have to, like, you couldn't just see maybe the silhouette of his body, but you just saw the tippy-toe bounce, and you're like, oh, there he is. Um, for me, I think I, I think I have a unique, strange walk. Um, I'm pretty bow-legged. Uh, the doctor, one time when I went to visit the doctor, he's like, hey, do you ride horses for a living? I'm like, no, why do you ask? He's like, you are very bow-legged. I'm like, I've never been on a horse. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty bow-legged. Maybe you can see how I walk. When I was, a, when I was like a one-year-old, I had those shoes because I was like this. I had those shoes that corrected my feet to go straight. It's pretty bad. So you can probably see like, oh, there's Josiah's was weird cowboy walk. I don't know. I have that walk. But you can tell a lot by the way people walk. I mean, a lot is communicated. People are known. Listen, people are known by their walks so often. And not just, yes, like physically, but the Bible talks about this in a metaphorical, metaphorical way, saying the way you walk communicates your lifestyle. So when the Bible talks about the idea of walking, it's saying, it's showing your daily and active, your day-to-day -day Christian living. How do you walk? What does that look like? And so we do see that in walking, there's so many things communicated with that. Paul is saying, walk in the Spirit. Because I want to I bring this home. Like, I want you to hear this. Because this is what's been the most challenging thing for me, I think, in my study, in my prayer, and preparation for this. As we studied last week in John 14, we'll throw the verse up here. Jesus said, you know him, the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we looked at last week how the Holy Spirit is in us. The first week, he's with us. He's with us. This la last week, how he's in us. This is where I get challenged. He's saying God's Spirit dwells in us. Now your lifestyle, your walk is going to look very different. There's no way... You can encounter the person of God. There's no way you can experience Jesus. You can believe on Jesus, that God sealed you with this Holy Spirit and you look the exact same. It's just not possible. Yes, it will take time. Yes, we kind of go from infanthood to maybe toddler to adolescent. Like, yes, there will be some progression. But your life must change. It must look different. And not because you're trying to outwardly mask that, but because there's been this inward transformation where it's going to happen. We walk it out. We've got to work it out. And so there's going to be that side of just that progression and growth. I mean, think about this. This might be a silly illustration, but, um, and I'm sorry for so many of these illustrations, but when I was about 11 or 12, I, basketball was my life, and that's why I refer to it maybe once in a while. Um, but I remember I'd like, put in the Michael Jordan DVDs, like the greatest hits of Michael Jordan, and his top 10 greatest layups, top 10 greatest dunks. I was like 11. And I would go in my living room, put it on, and I would literally try to mimic it, where he'd like hang in the air and like hit his hand and throw it back. Like, and I would, I'd be up at the air for like 0.1 second. But it's different. I, I try to mimic him and copy him. I tried to base my game off him because I was looking at him and go, I want to be like him. And I was the whole, I want to be like Mike. That was me. I loved it. 
But there's, there's issues, there's limitations, it's me, right? I'm not 6'6", I don't have that athleticism, I don't have that finesse, there's limitations. Now, just as a silly illustration, imagine if Michael Jordan could overtake my body like Space Jam. Uh, let's say he could come in me and dwell in me. My actions and my lifestyle, my basketball game is going to be elevated to a whole new level because it's not me trying to be like him, but because he's in me, my game's just going to naturally change. And, and honestly, just think about this. We're not trying just to be like God. He's saying that you have God in you. That's going to elevate your game. That's going to change some things. That's going to change our lifestyle. That's going to change our attitude, our heart. That's going to change some things. Yes. And we'll talk about this battle. There's still the first nature, the old man, the flesh, the Bible calls it. There is this battle for sure. But there will have to be some change. We're, cl- we're claiming something huge. And I understand when the world gets frustrated at the church or Christians goes, well, where is your love? You, you claim God's in you, but sometimes you're the most critical, judgmental, hateful people. Where, where's the difference? And I, and I would say to them, you're, you're right. There needs to be a difference. There has to be a difference. We cannot say we've, been, we've encountered the living God and, and I, I look like the exact same from before I knew him. There will be some change. There will be some difference. Now, what does that look like, and how do we walk that out? How do we grow in that? And that's what I want to look at today. So there's two questions in our text we're going to try to answer. Two questions simply. How do I walk with the Holy Spirit daily? How do I walk with the Holy Spirit daily? And how do I know the Holy Spirit's in me? So we talked about how he's in us, but like, how do I know? How do I walk with him daily, and how do I know that? How do I really know God's in me? How do you really know God's in you? How do you know you're not just making this up? How, how do you know it's not just something you're, you're trying to change your behavior a little bit? How do you know God's spirit is in you? So let's walk through this. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We're going to look at the first question. How do I walk with the Holy Spirit daily? Look at verse 16 again. Verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Listen, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I'm going to try to do my best to communicate some simple truths when it comes to walking in the Spirit. Here's a first thought. It's simple. The idea of walking, there'll be this. There's going to be a destination in mind. When it comes to walking, there's a destination. If you just walk for the, I mean, some people will just walk for the sake of walking, but usually you're walking to get somewhere. You're walking from point A to point B. There's this idea of when you walk in the spirit, God is trying to bring you from point A to point Z in a sense. God is saying, I want there to be this idea of you growing, walking. Um, I have this, and here's not just heaven, not just the destination of heaven, but sometimes daily you go, God, where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to speak to? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to spend my money? How do you want me to love others? And there's this destination, I believe, that daily, moment by moment, the Holy Spirit has in mind for us. When you walk in the Spirit, there's a destination in mind. This can't just be heaven for us Christians. How, how do we bring heaven down? How do we introduce Jesus to these people? How do we have a destination in mind? There's a destination. Not only that, there's a dedication, meaning it's ongoing. When you're walking, you're gonna, this is ongoing. So for example, some people said, man, for 10 years ago, I took a stand for Jesus. I stood for Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. Okay, great. You took a stand for Jesus 10 years ago. Are you walking with Jesus today? It's not just about taking a stand, but are you walking? With, is, is there this idea that's ongoing and there's growth and development from that? There's a dedication. And also there's a dependency. There's a dependency. When you walk in the Spirit, there's, there's a side. There's actually many translations will say walking by the Spirit. Like we are dependent upon Him. Walking in the Spirit means you're not trusting yourself. 
You're not thinking, I think this is a good idea. You're surrendering your mind, your will, your mo- Say, God, you lead me. God, you, you do this. There's a sense of dependency on him. So let me even put it this way. Walk in the spirit. This is an interesting phrase. Walking in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Um, if I said to you, hey, walk in this building. Walk around, the, be in this building. You know, and this would be awful. And no one would want to do this forever. But walk in this building. What I'm saying to you is don't go outside the boundaries of this building. Stay within the building. Walking in this building is you're going to stay here, see everything there is in this building. The idea what Paul is saying is walk in the spirit. Don't go out the boundaries of that. Walk in the spirit. Like there's this idea of your flesh saying, no, don't fence me in. Don't put boundaries on me. I don't want to be bound. And that Paul is saying walk in the spirit. And there's this, there's this freedom in walking in the spirit. There's this liberty in walking in the spirit. And there's not going to be, in a sense, this, this conflicting boundary kind of thing on your life. He's saying walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. And so he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now here's the question. What is the flesh? What is that term? That is a weird term. If you are new to church, maybe you've heard Christians say this. And they're like, oh, my flesh, you know, the other night was, you know, really tempting me. You're like, what the heck are you talking about? Or like, oh, my old man, my old nature. And people are like, I don't, I don't speak English. It is weird. So what is the flesh? The Bible does refer to the flesh quite often. So what is the flesh? The flesh is not just your, hang, your, your hands, your feet, your toes, your skin, your body. Sometimes it might refer to your body. But he's referring to like a posture of the heart. When he's talking about the flesh, he's, he's referring to more of the posture of the heart. Actually, in many ways, he, this is what he's referring to. Um, we, everyone, receive, when the Bible says the word flesh, it's saying you receive this nature from your parents, but we can't be mad at them because they received it from their parents and their parents. We receive this nature from Adam, our first parents, this, this old nature, this nature that is contrary to the things of God. It's not natural for me to want to wake up and pray. It's not natural. It's not like, man, it's, that's not like my first thing. It's not, it's not natural for me to want to just always read. It's not natural for me to want to, like, to serve or to give money. That's not natural. That's the flesh. The flesh is the kind of the natural disposition we have. The natural disposition we wake up. Paul says it this way in Romans 7, 18. Paul says, and I think it's great verse, he goes, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. How about we just say it that way? He goes, in my first nature, in the old man, there's nothing good. In my flesh, nothing good dwells. The flesh is that side of you, again, that, that very just natural side. Well, I'll just have one more whatever. I'll only do this one more time. For example, maybe it's just Netflix, right? No, everyone said to themselves, everyone's done this, I'll just watch one episode. No, you're not. No, I'm not. You know, we watch one episode of Stranger Things or some documentary on making a murder. Never mind. Um, but you're watching something, and then what happens? You see a countdown, right? And you're like, well, I'm not clicking on the countdown. I'm not not choosing it. It's just, it's just doing it, right? And then like three seasons later, you're like, what did I just do to my life? And this happens all the time. Is It's just, we do this. We go, I'll just have one more drink. I'll just look at this website one more time. I'll just go on this date with this person one more time, even though it's not. We do this all the time. We just, it's kind of the natural part of us. And he's saying, walk in the spirit, and you'll not fulfill that natural side. Please hear this, because this is where I think Christians get hung up. He's not saying, don't do these things, and then you're walking in the spirit. Do we get that? It's not a negative, it's not, it doesn't start off with this negative thought. It's not, if you don't do bad things, then you're walking in the spirit. I think so often Christians associate not doing things with being a good Christian. This is where it gets dangerous. Paul actually says it in a pause, like, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill this. Sometimes people think, if I just don't do things, then I must be holy. And that is not the case. Holiness is not a way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. Do we get that? I'm not trying not to do things, and therefore now I'm holy. I have Christ, and he's going to produce holiness in me. And I think this is so important. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. 
Again, sometimes I think it's sad when Christians are defined by what they don't do. Well, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I'm a Christian. It's like, no, we got to stop being defined by this, what we don't do, but by what Christ has done and what we do in light of that. Amen? It's not by what you don't do. It's about what Jesus did and, and in light of that, how you now live. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This is so important. Please, again, we cannot make Christianity just this negative thing. Don't do this, therefore I'm a Christian. That is not the case. That is not the case. In verse 17, we'll keep moving. Verse 17, Paul says next, he says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. All right, here's where Paul gets specific now. He goes, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have two natures. You have two opposing forces in you. You have the flesh and you have the spirit. The natural man, right? The, first, the one that we receive from Adam, and you have, you have the new man. The one we receive from being born of the spirit. And he says, you have this, this war between your flesh and your spirit. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so there's this battle, and I think, and I think we got to acknowledge this, guys. There's this internal battle in all of us. When you read Romans 7, Paul says this. Paul goes, the things I want to do, so often I don't find myself doing. The things I don't want to do, so often I find myself doing. But then he ends Romans 7 by saying, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Eventually, we can have more victory in the spirit than in the flesh, but we have to acknowledge there is this battle between your flesh and spirit. So I want to point this out because I think through a lot of us this week, everyone this week had a thousand opportunities to respond to something in the flesh or to respond to something in the spirit. Am I right? All of us this week had this opportunity to go, I can either respond naturally or I can respond supernaturally by the grace of God, by the spirit that's in me and say and do something I would not normally say and do. And there is this, and let me just put it this way. And please hear this because this is so essential to Christian living. What you feed starves, or sorry, what you don't feed starves and what you feed thrives. Like what, what you feed grows. What you feed grows and what you don't feed dies. That's what I want us to, to understand. If you feed the flesh, the flesh grows. If you starve the flesh, the flesh dies. And this idea, I can either feed my spirit or starve my spirit. I can either feed my flesh or starve my flesh. Uh, my wife might disagree with me on this, but in some ways, I think she's a, a serial plant murderer, um, where we like to buy plants, and then uh, within months, probably weeks or days, they're dead. Um, and she's like really like, oh, I love plants. I just love to kill them. That's how I feel sometimes. So we have a lot of plants, and you know, we have them hanging or on a shelf, and then like, oh, I have to get a new one. It's like, I'm sure Home Depot loves us. Um, and there's this mindset where I go, hey, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. You feed the plant sunlight, water, oh, it's going to grow. You start, it's going to die, right? That is what the Bible's saying with us. There is this real side of Christianity where if you feed your flesh, it's just going to grow. If you say, I'll watch this one more, I'll take this in one more, I'll just have what, whatever it might be, it's just going to grow. It's just going to grow. When we fast, I think fasting is so key to Christianity because when we do fast from food or not just food, but maybe it is television, maybe it's social media, maybe it's different elements. When you're setting those things aside, you're starving your flesh and you watch your flesh begin to like diminish and you're feeding your spirit. You're like, I'm growing in my faith. Like, yes. But when you get to feed that and you feed that first nature and just watch one more, just do this one, that's beginning to grow and your spirit, you see, begins to like shrivel up. And so we see what you feed grows, what you starve dies. Listen, this is so important. It's so important for all of us, myself included. If I were to give you a challenge, I'm not going to do this because I don't want it to be like letter of the law, but if I just said, hey, please, everyone, this week, spend 30 minutes a day, the first part of your day, spend it with Jesus. And just take 30 minutes. Can I tell you, you're going to see that, na- that battle come alive. That, that battle of just sleep more. That battle of just ignore it. You, don't need, you did it yesterday. That ba- you're going to feel that battle come alive more so. 
And I do think through discipline, yes, you might, as you feed your spirit, you'll see the growth of it, but you're going to feel that internal struggle very, very in, a, in a real way. You see, Paul is saying, walk in the spirit. You should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's this battle going on. I think this is really interesting. When he says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, it's, idea, it's literally this word over-desire. Your flesh has more desire than your spirit. Or your spirit has more desire than your flesh. Can you guys agree to this one? Of Either there's days where you're like, I just need Jesus. I just want Jesus. And like, you have an over-desire for God and you're hungry for God and then I hope we can live in that. Or you're like, I don't want, I don't want God. I just want, I just want ice cream. Or I don't want God. I just want this. I just want that. And you have an over-desire. He's saying there's this over-desire for your flesh or there's this over-desire for your spirit. Uh, one pastor said it this way. He says, walking in the spirit is what we do when the desires of the spirit are stronger than the desires of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is when the desires of the spirit are stronger than the desires of the flesh. And, and Jesus said it that way, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Like there should be this hunger and thirst and craving and longing and this idea of walking in the spirit. Again, Christians, we can't assume because you're not doing bad things at different times in your life that you're, you're therefore walking in the spirit. That's not the case. I look in the church so often, it's like, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, so I therefore must be a spiritual person. Not, not at all. You can walk in the spirit. You can, you can do spiritual things in the flesh. You can read your Bible in the flesh. You can pray in the flesh. You can give money in the flesh. You can encourage someone in the flesh. does not mean you're walking in the spirit. And we do have to be clear of that. We do have to be clear of the motive of the heart behind that. So Paul now is going to give this list, and he, he names off 17 things of, of the works of the flesh. And it's not just limited to 17 things. So let's just read this really quick. Verse 19, can we read that? What are the works of the flesh? <coughs> Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to notice what Paul's doing. He's putting up something. He's putting these two natures side by side. He says, look at the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. And please hear this. If we can, put that up. The works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. Works, plural, of the flesh, fruit, singular, of the spirit. But, but hear this. Notice he does not say works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. That is very important. He's saying your flesh will try to do things, and even it can do good things, but in a fleshly state. The fruit of the spirit is a byproduct of the spirit. So your flesh, your flesh develops these works, the, the, the emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit, he's not saying the works of the Spirit, he's just saying it's not, a, it's not on you. God does not try to transform us, uh, transform us outward in, but inward out. So I do think, here's what's dangerous. People can display fruits of the Spirit, but it's outward in. They can force love, force joy, force peace, force patience, it's, and it's outward in. And, and the whole idea of the fruit of the Spirit is communicating it's inward out versus the works of the flesh. <laughs> and this is what we've got to talk about. What are the works of the flesh? And what does this look like? And, and how does, you know, let me just say this, guys. You cannot be neutral. It, we cannot be neutral in this. We're, we're either displaying works of the flesh or we're displaying the fruit of the Spirit. Do we get that? It's not like, I mean, it's like, well, I'm not really doing fleshly things. I'm not really doing spiritual things. It's like, no, you're either walking in the flesh or you're walking in the Spirit. That's, there's no neutrality. The Bible never lets us, like, be Switzerland. Like, I claim neutral. Like, nope, can't do that. Like, you can't. There's this idea that you're, there's either you're working in the flesh or you're working in the Spirit. 
And so what are the works of the, of the flesh? And I'm not gonna, we're not going to dissect all of these one by one. We've kind of broke them up into four different categories. So we'll just like talk through this. First of all, the first category, Paul talks about the works of the flesh as sexual sins, certain sexual sins. So you can look again at verse 19, whether he says uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Paul talks about, and here's what you want to see, God created sex. Sex is something God made. God made it, and it's good, and it's supposed to be used in the confines of marriage between one man and one woman for life. Like, sex is good. We, gotta, we can't forget, like, a book of the Bible is dedicated to sex, like Song of Solomon and this intimacy between a husband and wife. God does talk about sex, and God talks about it in a positive light. But if you go outside the bounds, and the, outside the way God created it, he said, now you're doing it in your flesh. You're taking something really good of God, and you're perverting it. You're taking something beautiful of God, and, and you're distorting it. And he goes, we know what that looks like. It, it's, it looks like adultery. It looks like fornication, that word pornea, to be sexually stimulated outside or before marriage. That is not just referring to having sex with someone you're not married to. That is referring to pornea, pornography is where we get that word. I'm being, sec- I'm being stimulated sexually by somebody who's not my spouse or outside of the, the marriage bed. And he goes, the fornication, lewdness, and sexual talk, and conduct. And dis- he goes, we know what it looks like, guys. He, he's like, he, he can give us, you know, he can name 500 things. And it's be like, oh, well, there's not 501. I, and I feel like we'll find a way around. It's not, that's not the point. He goes, you know what it looks like? It, it, the flesh relays itself over into these sexual sins in this way. And then he talks about not just sexual sins, but spiritual sins. Spiritual sins. Uh, if you keep reading, he, he talks about idolatry, sorcery, heresies. There's spiritual sins. You know, our official stance, by the way, is... Um, uh, uh, the occult is bad, <laughs> just so you know. Um, he talks about the idea of like witchcraft, and, and this could even just be you're, you're, you're taking, you're, you're putting a drug into your body just to get yourself out of reality. There's different things they had back, back then that they could take themselves out of their reality. They don't want to go to God with their issues, with their pain. They, they turn to something else. And so he's talking about, and we guys, we've seen it in so many different ways. You might, we might think, oh, we're in South Florida, we're in America, there's no spiritual issue. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever dealt with someone who's come out of Santeria, I don't know if you've been to Haiti and dealt with someone who's come out of voodoo or in voodoo. I mean, there are, this is a very real thing. Paul's saying, no, no, don't call darkness light and light darkness. There, there are certain things we gotta know that's also works of the flesh. Then he moves on. He, he, another category is social sins. You can read it, but he's like hatred, envy, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. There's these social sins. Social sins, you begin to see how that plays out in your relationships. You realize people you're once close to, you're, you're no longer close to anyone. You're constantly bitter. You're constantly envious. You can't celebrate with other people. You can't rejoice with other people. There's a sense of like, you know, I can't believe they get to, I don't. And it turns out maybe into hatred and bitter. And he just talks about these social sins. And he goes, you know, that's the flesh. You know, that's not the spirit of God in you. You know, again, we don't necessarily need it defined as well as it is, but sometimes we need it defined. We know what the works of the flesh are. We know how it it appears, how it comes across. And then he talks about self-indulgent sins. Self-indulgent sins. He talks about drunkenness and revelries or orgies. Again, our official stance here at the tor- church is that orgies are bad. All right, just so you know. Um, we, we, he talks about this, though, going, hey, let me say this again. God creates things that are good, and we pervert them. That's what we do so often. The Bible talks about, is it wrong to have alcohol? No, it's wrong to get drunk. And we distort that, and we pervert that. And, and I'm sharing this with you guys, and we'll talk actually more about that in Ephesians 5 next week. We'll talk about not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the Spirit. But sometimes, the sad thing is this, Christians just love to play on the edge. Like we love to play, well, to find drunk, buzz. Was a buzz drunk? <laughs> like you think you're being clever with God. And we like to just kind of be on the fence with some of these things. And we like to get as close as we can to go, oh, fornication, I don't know, I'm not simulated, maybe I'm simulated. And like we literally get as close as we can to it. And God's like, well, Why? 
the works of the flesh are evident. And can I tell you that there's this phrase, and such the like, or such the like? <laughs> Do you see that at the very end? He goes, and the like, and the like. And if you're like, oh, I don't see my sin on here, Paul's like, and the like. That's you. That's me. He's like, that's all of us. See, and, and here's where it does get serious, because this is something we got to hear as a church. He says, what does he say at the very end? He goes, and those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I cannot find a way out of this. As a pastor, preacher, communicator of God's word, like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that. It kind of means, that. like, if this, and here's what it is saying. The word practice is in the pr- this present participle. It's, if you continue to do these things, live in these things, you're unrepentant about these things. You, we, can I be honest? I, I myself, you, you we, we should be honest. We're all on this list to some extent. Outbursts of wrath. Uh, we're all on this list to some extent. But the question is, is, there, is this your lifestyle? Is there repentance? Is there humility? Are you practicing? Practicing communicates you're getting better at it. Are you getting better at sin? Are you getting better at hiding your sin? Are you getting better at covering up and not exposing, not bringing it to others for help? Practicing usually means you're getting better at something, you're working on it, and there is that attitude so often. I don't care if I'm doing this. I can do this, and you're practicing, and there can be that attitude. Paul's like, if you practice these things, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Christian, this cannot be our lifestyle. It just can't. And say, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. It can't. You're, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. If you look at this list and you're going, I'm practicing these things, and Christians, other Christians have come into me and spoken into my life and said, hey, Joe, I, I love you. I care about you. Be aware. You're like on the, like, this is your lifestyle, man. Like every night you're going back to this. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm saved by grace through faith. Like, yes, but again, that grace will teach us to live godly, Titus 2, 11 through 13 says. Like, it's, grace is going to produce some fruit, some, some evidence of your salvation. And we got to talk about this because, again, I can't, I, this concerns me the most is that we can, Christian churches all gather together and we don't say, hey, but if this is your lifestyle, you will not receive the kingdom of God. That, that is a very real thing. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. I'll throw it up here and you can just look at it. Paul says the same thing, but listen to this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. And such were some of you. Let it not be so. This was my last. You go, but I was born to do these. I was born this way to do these things, to live this way. That's why the Bible says be born again. That which is a flesh is flesh, that which is a spirit is spirit. Maybe, maybe, sure. You're, you're, we were born with these predispositions towards sin, towards a heart bent away from God. Be born again. God can put a new nature, new will, new mind, new desires within you. Then there, there still will be this battle of the flesh and the spirit. My flesh still wants this, but my spirit wants something. And have an over-desire for the, spirit, uh, this, the things of the spirit. Amen? That's what he's saying. Now he says, the, this is the works of the flesh. Now let's look at the second thing. How do I know the Holy Spirit's in me? How do I know that? How do I really know the Holy Spirit's in me? We're going to see in verse 22. Let's read, all right? We're looking at the second question. How do I know the Holy Spirit's in me? Verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. He goes, you know what the flesh looks like? Now here's what the Spirit looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is, and I love that. It's single. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness. That, that's like describing love. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love. The fruits, not the fruits of the Spirit are. It's love. Why bring this up? is I think many times people think if you're really filled with the Spirit, you're going to be super showy and like, you know, flamboyant in your, in your lifestyle and your actions. You're going to just kind of live like really, and it's, he's saying the fruit of the Spirit is love. Though you can speak with the tongues of men and angels but have love, you're nothing. Like, okay, though you might have great spiritual gifts but you don't have love, it's, it's a show, it's fake. 
The main evidence the Spirit of God is in you and in me is, is love. God has made us from people. God's love was poured out on us in a way where it's made us loving people. Jesus said, you'll know you're my disciples by what? By your love for one another. You know, I love that Paul picks up on this theme of fruit. Paul is actually like building off what Jesus said. In John, or Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 20, Jesus said this, by their fruits you will know them. So Jesus was talking about people and said, hey, you can, lo- you can look at their lifestyle and by their fruits, by the, their evidence they show you. You can know who they are by their fruit. And Paul's picking up on this idea of fruit. And this is good for us because um, we don't necessarily live in that culture. We, we don't live in like an agricult- agriculture kind of culture. Um, we, we're like digital people. We're like in the digital age. We need to hear about the fruit more. You know, think about this for just a second. We can go to a grocery store and I can like buy an apple or watermelon or anything, grapes. And I can go there any time. And like before I'm even home, it's gone. The food's gone. And I, and I love that. Like I love fruit. I, we, you know, it's great. It's great. But can I point out, like we don't see the struggle. Like, we don't, unless you garden, unless you may do this, but you don't see the struggle of, I'm going to buy the seed, I'm going to plant it, I'm going to water it, I'm going to move the weeds, I've got to get rid of all the bugs, make sure it's fertilized well, the soil's healthy, got to make sure it has proper sunlight, not too much water, not, not like over, you know, you have to like make sure there's this process, and then finally you start to see it grow, finally you start to see fruit. We just kind of go, oh, fruit, eat, <laughs> right? Like, we don't appreciate it so often. There's this idea, and here's what I want us to see, there's this idea when Paul is saying the word fruit, he's talking about there's a, there's a source and there's a process. The, the source of fruit you could say is a seed, good soil, water, sunlight. There's a source, and then there's a process that takes place. Here's why I'm saying all of this. Because we do, and us as Christians, we live in an instant gratification culture. I want fruit, I walk in a store, I have fruit. Like we do it really quickly. We forget the process. We forget how long it takes. We forget the work and energy and effort to toil in the sun, to like get rid of all the, the bad bugs or insects coming in. Like we forget the process. We forget the source so often. And here's why this is important for Christians. Christians, we are not expecting perfection. We're not saying you believe in Jesus. Where's the perfection? You're not there yet? How dare you? There's a process. It will take a while. There'll be some planting, some sowing, some reaping. It will take a while. So can we just say this, Christians, can we be a little bit more patient with each other and a little bit more loving towards each other and saying, you know what, this person is still a work in progress and God's still working on them. And you know what, maybe this is, we got to cut this little branch off. Maybe we'll produce good fruit. Like, that's okay. It takes a while. There's a process in it. You know, if, for example, let's say I have a plum, and the plum begins to rot and get different colors and moldy and gross, um, I'm not going to try to, like, take, like, a purple Sharpie and color in the plum and be like, oh, the plum, look, it's good now, it's purple. It's now purple again. Like, no, I'm just changing the outside and modifying the outside. I'm not going to go to a store and buy healthy pum- plums and put it on my plum tree and, like, tie the healthy plums to the bad plums. Oh, look it. No. There's going to be this inward out I'm going to try to maybe replant the tree. I'm going to try to maybe get rid of anything around it that could be bringing it harm or make sure it has good water. The whole point is you don't focus on the fruit. You focus on the source of the problem. And so often Christians say, stop, change your behavior. Don't do that. And we're basically like trying to color the plum with a Sharpie purple rather than say, no, let's work on the inward, man. Let's work on the, the heart. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to work on the inward out. And this idea that the fruit of the Spirit is just a process, a work of the Spirit of God in your life. And we do see how change does happen though. Because I love this. Let me just put it this way. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you. Please hear this. Work out your own. It's God who works in you. God has placed something in us. We're here to work it out. Sometimes Philippians 2, 12 can be like, Yeah, work out your own salvation. Start doing good works. That's not the case either. It's God, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God has placed something good in you. You have an imperishable seed. You have the Holy Spirit in you, the Bible says. Work that out. Not work it in. 
work out, work it out, what, work out what God has placed in, amen? How do we see change, though? How do we see change? Paul, I think, gives us something really specific. We'll end with these verses. Look at verse uh, 23. Just don't miss this. Verse 23. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. <laughs> let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Don't miss this. How do we see change? Paul's saying, you want to see change? Die. Crucify the flesh. Let, be born, let the Spirit of God do this within you. Cruci- put to death your p- old passions, your old desires. Let God place new passions, new desires. And then work that out. You know, it's interesting how Paul in Galatians talks about crucifixion three different times, referring to himself in some capacity. And it is really interesting when you, work, when you see how Paul talks about crucifixion and crucifying the flesh. Now, I just want to put the verses, Galatians 2.20. First, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he says, Paul, me, my old man, also died that day. I've been crucified with him. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ now who lives in me. Here, he puts it this way. He says in verse 24 again, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. You've crucified that old man, the old natures, the old desires. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, just so you can see it here, Paul says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul's like, I'm dead to the world. The world's dead to me. I'm not living for that anymore. I'm not living for my flesh anymore. I'm, I'm a new person. I've been raised with Christ now. And he goes, that's how I'm walking. That's how I'm living. That's how I'm walking this out. I've had to put in the guys, can I tell you? This is something that happens every day. A prayer of mine, for the most part, I can't say this, you know, as staunch as I want to, but a prayer of mine most of the time is, God, help me, like, I want to die today. Help me die today. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, I die daily. Help me die to my flesh today. Help me die to the world today. Help me just die to me, my desires. My, what was it you got? God, what is it you want? What is it you, what do you want to do? How can you speak? How can you move? Because how do we live and walk in the Spirit? How do we walk with the Spirit daily? I'm going to give you some practical things really quick. But please just listen to this. How do we walk in the Spirit? Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Listen, he says, Those who live according to the flesh, please listen. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How do we walk with the Holy Spirit daily? Listen, I am going to give you some practical Christian disciplines because we should talk about these more often. This is not, I don't want to just try to change the outside. I don't want to do that. But I want to create space where God can change the inside. I, I do want to give, I, it's almost like we're going to make sure that the dirt is healthy, the, the, everything's ready to go to plant a healthy tree. And so I do want to give you some practical things. And you guys, this, none, of this is, none of this is new to anyone. But just please like, let this sink into your heart and just hear this for a second. First thing is this, meditate on God's word. Don't just read the Bible. Don't just memorize the Bible. Meditate on God's word. Like, chew it over. Read a passage, pray that passage back to God. Read the passage again. Ask God to apply it to your life. Read the passage again. Pray, just pray it over. Like, meditate. It, meditate literally means to chew the cud. Like a cow chews and swallows and spits back up and chews on it and swallows. And it's gross. That's meditate. All right. It's like, chew it over, swallow it, spit it back up, chew it on it, chew it on it some more. Swallow it, spit it back up, chew it on it some more. Like, do that with God's word. I used to just kind of go through the phase of, I read, good, I'm good, yeah, God, we're good, I read and prayed, okay, bye. And don't, no, don't do that. Give place for, like, meditation on God's word. Just meditate on God's word. 
Another thought, during prayer, be quiet and listen. This is hard for me, <laughs> maybe for some of you. Um, sometimes prayer is a monologue when God wants it to be a dialogue. Pray and be quiet. Pray and be still. God, speak to me. Be quiet. When did God speak to Elijah in the mountain? He's quiet. That still small voice. When you pray, make sure you, you give some time to be quiet. And every spouse wants to say amen. Amen? All right, let's be quiet. Let's just like hear, hear from God a little bit. Uh, another thought, when I, when I talk about walking in the Spirit, can I just share this one? Embrace God's love for you. Like, <laughs> stop fighting God's love. So often, I want to I say, God can love the world, but I, that's not me. God might love them and forgive them, but not, not mine. S- just embrace God's love. A verse that, as I was reading through this and praying through this, that just jumped out to me that I had to read. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Paul says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Hey, church, has the love of God been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit just overwhelmed you with God's love? Has the Holy Spirit just reminded you of God's great love and great sacrifice for you? And reach the point of like, God, I, I can do nothing in return. Like, and that's a good place to be in. I can never pay God back enough. I can never do enough. Ba- I just got to receive it. I got to stop fighting it. Embrace God's love for you. Another way to walk in the Spirit, can I just say, live generously. For God so loved the world he gave. He gave. Guys, where there's love, there's giving. Where there's love, there's giving. It is so easy to give to someone when you love them. And I'm going to say, live generously. Have that love for others. Have that love for people. Live generously. There's a side of this too, guys, where, again, you can change the outward and not get to the root of it. I I get that. You can give and and it doesn't really change. I get that. But sometimes we just do need to give to get to the place where I go, God, my heart's open to you. God, I'm giving to show that I'm not trusting in this. I'm trusting in you. I don't talk about this very often, but if this is your home church and you feel like, man, I'm a part of this community and I want to be a part of what God does in Deerfield and I would like to, would you give to this church? Would you actively practice what it talks about when it says to give, to give generously. God so loved, he gave. We look at, you know, when the grace of God's been poured on our hearts, we say, man, God, I could never, I could never pay you back. I just can't wait to give. You're such a good giver. I just want to give. There's a side of it where it just naturally flows out from you. Not just that, but I'd say this. To be led by the Spirit, ask God momentarily, what do you want me to do? Here's what I'm trying to practice more when I say walk in the Spirit. I'm trying to be in public more and not publics, but sometimes publics. I try to be public more, like walk around and be like, God, oh, what do you want me to do? Who, who do you, who's hurting right now? Who do, give me eyes to see someone right now. And sometimes I see nothing. Sometimes something stands out to me and I go, okay, how do I now do this? And I go, okay, God, lead me by your spirit. Sometimes I have a sense of, I need to go talk to that person, pray to that person, and I don't. And I'm, I'm grieving or I'm quenching the spirit. And there's those things where I have to be honest with God and say, God, I missed that one. Please, please do it again. <laughs> okay, so this ask God moment by moment, what do you want me to do? And another thought about guys living spiritually, like walking in the spirit. Can I say this? Be in community. Be in community. Don't be alone. Don't be isolated. Don't be on your own. Don't think, I have my Bible, it's me and God, I'm good. Don't. There's a, there's a side of this where like we must live in community and in fellowship with another. And yes, obviously for us, we, we're trying to find ways to do that. We try to create space where God can move. We try to have some fun events so people can meet each other. We try to have weekly community groups so people can actively live out and talk through the word together and practice the word. And then hopefully through those eight to 10 people, you call someone and say, can we get coffee? What you said kind of concerned me. I, I love you. Let's meet up. Hopefully something can come from that, but live in community, be in community. Don't, don't assume you're just going to grow on your own. Can I tell you the fruit? What's the purpose of fruit? 
The fr- is the fruit there for you? Do I bear fruit so I can eat my own fruit? It's kind of weird. No, the idea of like bearing fruit is like others can enjoy. Others, I, I want to bear fruit. Like, so taste. You'll know them by their fruit. T- like, there's this idea that we, we're, we need each other in this. I need you. You need me. I need, to, I, need to, I need to be blessed by your fruit. You need to be blessed by the fruit of my Like, there's a side of it where we're just being in community in this way. There's so many more things I could, I could put up here, but I just want to give you a few to say, listen, walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It's not about what you don't do. So I just don't do this. I don't do that. Therefore, I'm getting, create space where the spirit can move. Ask God to pour out his love on your heart. Ask God to make an inward-out transformation. Guys, the Holy Spirit is not just with you. He's in you. And he wants to do something new every day in your life and in my life. Let us walk in the Spirit daily, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? We pray for you guys. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit takes this and takes us deep down into our soul, into our spirit, and, and much comes from this. Because this cannot just be another sermon we walk away with. And, and not actively seek or pursue. So let's pray and we'll worship a little bit. Father, we just thank you. God, you've given us <laughs> your son, the most precious thing. You did not redeem us with silver or, or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. And God, you've given us your spirit. God, thank you for being such an, such an extravagant giver to us. God, thank you for giving us your spirit that we are not alone that those who feel depressed or alone or isolated, God, that you are with them. Lord, let, let there be a difference in my life and our lives, God. We, we just pray that Jesus would not be an outward faking thing, but Jesus, that your spirit would produce really healthy fruit in our lives. That there'd be love. God, I just pray for the church, for our church specifically and, and the church, that we'd be marked and known for our love. That every people group and community and those who are just hate Christians and hate you, God, that they would just at least be able to say, but you know what? They love me so well. Forgive us because we, we don't hit that often. Lord, help us just to be people of love. And so, Lord, I just, I just pray and ask as we worship you, as we, as we stand, as we sing, as we cry out, God, that your spirit would do something in, internally in us that we could never force or manipulate or modify, but it'd be a work of your spirit truly, God. So we invite you here. Speak now. Spirit, move, we ask in your wonderful name. Amen. Let's stand and let's just close out our time in worship.